This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Tide Chasers Podcast, where every week we try to connect you with one of our local talents, Tad Bart head boat charter captains, regular captains, local Sharpies, talented anglers, lure builders, tackle shops, rod builders, whatever it may be, we try to get you into the community to get you connected so you can, in the end, become a better fisherman. Um, once again, you guys want to find us on any of your regular podcast uh, hosts, uh, Spotify, Apple Radio, Google Radio, Chromecast, any of those. We're on all those platforms also. We're also on Waypoint TV. Um, don't forget our social media on Facebook, uh, Tide Chasers Podcast, and also on Instagram. And actually, we just we're we're beat right now. I'm beat right now because I got out on the water with our guest today. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong; he's a very talented young man. Trust me, he's he's 21 years old, but he has the knowledge of a fisherman that's like at least 40 to 50 years old. Like the the stuff he was like literally spitting out to me today was like I was like what? I was like this is all coming from a 21 year old, and he was whipping that that 24 foot center console cobia like like he was a kid riding a bike uh, it was insane he's t- super talented um but like every show we gotta introduce our co-host bobby on the other end bobby what's up not much man i'm doing good i'm real excited to talk to the jersey donut himself the jersey donut i want to know the name behind that jersey donut <laughs> we talked a little bit about why he 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 did a second uh you know instagram about the jersey donut but uh Besides that, let me tee him up. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'd like to introduce you to a very talented young man, um, Duncan Hathaway. How you doing, Duncan? Good. How you guys doing? Uh, after today's session with you, I'm tired. I'm beat, man. It yeah, was a, I hear it was you a long session. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later, later during the, uh, the podcast. But um, let's hear a little about yourself. How'd you get into fishing? You know, who introduced you to fishing, early years, influences, any of that. You know the good stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, so I started out uh, as a little kid, just freshwater fishing locally. I'm uh, at the Jersey Shore, right around the Madison area. 
And um, so, you know, local pond stuff in middle school. Um, and then what do you call it? Every year, my family would do a freshwater trip up to Maine. Uh, and they got some great smallmouth fishing up there. Uh, super remote, just pure as, pure as can be. And uh, so every year I'd do that. And then 2019, the saltwater bug finally bit me. And um, I remember seeing on Instagram, a couple of bluefish got caught in the Manasquan Inlet and uh, ran over to Bogan's bait shop, picked up a nice little surf rod, first one. And uh, I remember going down to the inlet and just hooking up to uh, my first fish, my uh, saltwater. It was a 36 inch bluefish. I thought to myself, hey, this is pretty cool. I kind of want to do this more. These things fight a lot harder than those uh, bluegill. So uh, I hopped on that 2019 run and uh, they all weren't 36 inches, but um, it was still fun, super fun to get out there and just, I got bit by the saltwater bug there. Man, and that's then, pretty uh, much, that's been pretty much spoiling you though. Your, your very first saltwater fish is like a 36 inch gator though. <laughs> oh yeah. Still remember like the, the white diamond jig going right out, casting right next to Jamaica and uh, just hooking up and thinking, wow, all these fish out here in the, in the inlet are this big. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, it was it was a fun run, and uh, I was out there like twelve hours a day for the next week, just casting, hooking up some really good bluefish runs. So theoretically, that um, since you started heavily in twenty nineteen, it's twenty twenty two now. So you're saying you've been in, you've only been doing salt heavily for like three years? Yeah, like that. Two years. That was one of yeah. yeah, yeah. I got really into it really quick, and. Uh, just kind of learned as much as I could, tried to be a sponge, absorb as much knowledge as possible from, any, from like anyone willing to share. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Uh, for three years of knowledge that we've talked about in the book, I talked with you today, seems like you've been doing this for way more than 10 then, just the knowledge. I guess you're right. You're just being a sponge, you literally absorb everything anyone told you or, you know, or you dial things in yourself. You know, you took the time, you put the effort and the hours in and you like the river. You know, the Manasquan River, it's one of those like very tight knit, very secretive river. But once you figure it out and dial it in, it's a very incredible fishery. I mean, Bobby's been on the river. He, he, I've been on the river with him a couple of times and it's, it, when it gets good, when it gets good, it gets good. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you put your time in, uh, that's all it really is. I usually don't put enough time in, so I usually wait for somebody to call me and say it's on, and then I make the <laughs> trek out there. But but if I had the time, and I know you put in the time, Duncan, so you're out there every day. Uh, I mean, every time I've been out there with my buddy Christian, who's, I guess, our mutual buddy Christian, you're always out there. So I know you're putting the time, and that's the best way to learn. Forget, yeah. uh, for, forget learning from other people. You just get out there, and you'll learn it all yourself. And I was fortunate enough. I met a guy named Adam Glansman uh, from Bonecracker Plugs. He kind of took me under his wing and showed me everything in the last two years. And I mean, he's been fishing the river for his whole life, pretty much. And, uh, and I'm with him all the time. I'm fishing with him at 2 a.m. in the spring and summertime, too. And uh, got a buddy named Liam and Jake who kind of showed me the river, too, and kind of took me under their wings, too. And I mean, they know that river better than anyone else, for sure. It's, I know, pretty, I know. it's pretty insane though like as me and him was pulling out at like 5 a.m right he was like he's like man if we can make it back at this tide you know at this specific time dude i like we could bail bass like right now he said like he was planning the day before it even started so he was like yeah you know like three more hours we're gonna fish here then we're gonna shoot to this we're gonna shoot fish here when fish we're gonna run down this way because we could beat the tide and catch it here and, I, and i'm positive that they're gonna be there all the time and i'm just like 
I was like, he literally scheduled it out before we even rode through the train bridge. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's how it should be. It's a little harder with salt water, though. I, I never get it right. But for an analogy, when I go down the river, there's certain spots I know we want to be at certain times because I know that's when that goes off and that's when the bugs start showing up. But if you know it well enough, like Duncan does, you can do that. <coughs> I did meet Jake on Jim Freda's boat before he oh, moved yeah. to Clemson. Uh, I love that kid. A little goofy, but he also really knows his stuff. Oh, yeah. He he knows his stuff for sure. He learned from the best and uh, really nice kid, too. But, uh, yeah, he's got that. He's got that real <coughs> dialed in. Um, nice. Before we get into fishing stuff, what the hell is a Jersey donut? <laughs> um, Besides so you? I basically, yeah, I was like, you know what? Uh, my name's Duncan, Duncan Donuts. I'm from Jersey. Just, you know, oh. kind of mash it together. And uh, I kind of got Jersey Donut out of that. And then uh, I created that account because I had so many fish picks. And there were, like, some that I really liked. Like, I got one un- above water, underwater mahi shot where I'm like, oh, this thing's awesome. And I got a few more that I really like. And, uh, oh, I'm in college, and college chicks don't really like fish picks every week, you know? So I'm like, all right, I'll make the account. Some fish guys will follow it. And anyone who wants to see what's going on, it's more than welcome to check it out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Girls don't like fish picks. What are you talking? Apparently, it's what, a red what? flag nowadays. <laughs> oh, that's the first thing they check your Instagram. If you have too many fish picks, don't date them, right? Is that how oh, it yeah. works? So, totally. <laughs> he's going to forget about you. He's not. He's going to worry about tides and fishes instead of to worry about taking you off for a date. <laughs> exactly. That's why you got to be yeah. like Bobby, though. You got to be like Bobby. You got to marry a woman that loves the fish as much as he does. You got to find. You got to find the girl that likes fish picks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The keeper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, so you, you, you know, Bobby, and then you, you guys also met through a, uh, a mutual friend um, that's been a past one of our guests. How'd that happen? So uh, I remember November 11th. I got that day. Like, you remember memorized. the date? Right. Oh, yeah. I, I got that thing memorized. Um. So Christian runs a boat out of my marina, and uh, he did a morning trip, I think, with uh, – he's a captain, private captain, so he took his, uh, his guys out there in the morning, and he found some bass, um, he gave me a call, called me in, and uh, we got down there, and it was just an epic bunker bite, like epic. I was out there with uh, my buddy from Bonecracker, Adam, and, uh, I mean, flutter spoons, whatever. It was just instant. All large bass, I mean – the smallest fish I think we had that day was 28 inches and second smallest was like 34 um, with just countless over 40. And um, what do you call it? So I, uh, I did an afternoon trip with Adam and then I went out with my buddy Liam and uh, I think you were there in the afternoon, right? Yeah. Christian called me cause they got tired of catching bass. They wanted to go in. <laughs> yeah. Which I, can't, I can't believe, but he went in and he knew I was down there. So he called me and said, I'm going back out. Do you want to come? Uh, and the answer was obviously, yes, I'm coming. And I called my one buddy, Colin, who's new to the area. And I said, I don't care what you're doing right now. When you get this phone call, we need to go. So he was like in the middle of something. I said, stop, you're coming. Like we're going. So yeah, we went over, Christian took us out and it was exactly like you just said. It was absolutely insane. November 11th will go down in infamy out there for me. Cause dude, it was it was nuts. I mean, you hook a bunker and you couldn't even legally get him back into the boat to switch him out before he got crushed by a bass. Like it was impossible. We broke the law. I'll tell you out straight up because it wasn't on purpose, but 
you couldn't get them in fast enough because bats were just killing them. It was insane. And it was all big. Like that afternoon bite, for some reason, those big fish came in. And, I mean, almost every fish was over 40. It was yeah. just epic. What's even more special about that day, though, is there was no one else around us. It was you and us. And then actually Jake's dad came out, I think, afterwards. So yeah. A couple Swan guys man. from the marina came and stuff. Yeah. Swan and, uh, came out. Uh, yeah. That was it, though. There was three of us, and it was – awesome friendship going on because it was like you guys would find a school because they weren't on top they were kind of below you guys would find school call us over we'd find school call you over some place would die down we kind of like go in opposite directions and then meet back up it was that's how fishing should be definitely yeah it, it was awesome great teamwork by everyone and uh yeah no it was just it it's just epic it's just one of those days where like i said engraved in my mind forever yeah but after that trip, actually, we didn't even really meet. Like, I knew who you were, and I think Christian told you who I was. And we got off the boat, and I kind of just gave you a head nod and a wave and went my separate way. We didn't even yeah. talk. Really. <laughs> I, I think I was, you know, still in shock from what just happened. Yeah. Uh, after too. a day like that, I'd be in shock myself. I know I, got, <laughs> I, I, know I was getting texts from Bob. He's like, he's like it's, it's, it, I can't believe it's happening. Every fish was like a 40-inch fish. He's like, here's one. Here's another one. He's like, this, this is insane. Yeah. And the night before, I mean, every fish I caught the night before there was over 45 on a different bunker pod. So I'm like, all right, these fish are going to be here tomorrow. It's going to happen. And lo and behold, it happened. Thank God. Crazy. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about a little bit earlier on the boat today, too, with you, uh, because uh, you currently go to school by Bobby's, right? Yeah, I go to uh, I'll be a junior up at uh, Fairfield University. Um, so not too far from Bobby up there in Connecticut. Very cool. And then I was like, I was like, you got to get You got to get Bobby to take you out to the Farmington, man. He's starting, Bobby's starting to dial that little fishery in up there. Yeah. I went there. Um, I met a kid named Jesse up there who was like my personal Uber driver for fishing. Basically he, uh, he's a local kid, um, out of college already and everything. And he would take me, we went to Farmington a few times. It's uh, it's a cool fishery and the stocking program Connecticut has is, is amazing. It is. Um, I was able to get my first trout this year on both spin and fly. So I stoked for that. Man. Uh, did you get a good hat when you were up there or was it all underneath? Uh, all underneath. Yeah. But. You got to go for a good hatch. I mean, we had sulfur hatches of like mass proportions this year <laughs> and it was insane. Just like that bass bite, except for you can see every fish feeding. Like it's, well worth it you're out there till midnight usually sometimes just going crazy on it and uh yeah. we'll get into it this time well this year you'll have to make your way up before winter winter's tough up here winter, gotcha the fish really shut down you need live bait which of course you can do but no you can't you uh, can't take duncan for winter he promised me ghost hunting this year <laughs> oh we're, we're <laughs> gonna try he, he told me to eskimo up you know i don't like the cold bobby he told yeah, me to. I, esc- I understand but my question before we started this podcast was, was it worth the gas? <laughs> and I can tell you right now, the ghost hunting is not worth the gas. <laughs> no, uh, you're freezing. But when you do, if you do get one, I haven't gotten one yet, but I really want one of those wintertime ghosts. Um, it, just, it looks so sick. I mean, if you come in and it's snowing or something, that'd be so cool. <laughs> it, it ain't so bad, Bobby. He's got a single 300. All right. It's not, your, it's not like your old boat when it had twins. It's a single 300. It ain't too bad. Okay. All right. Yeah. My, uh, 
Well, my boat, you you drive in your face with Freezal. So, <laughs> yeah, we we got the wings. So hopefully, you know, if you bundle up and bring some hand warmers, we should be okay. I will be in the duck blind. You boys <laughs> tell me when you well, get with them those. I will be. Just, just, I'll be at the do- I'll be at the dock with sandwich bags ready for my chunks of tuna. <laughs> Oh man. oh man! All right. Well, before we get into like what what the whole podcast is about today, let's talk about our day today. Yeah, so, we, we early start. Early start, five a.m. Duncan, he already had the live well already filled with peanuts. Uh, we yep. broke. Yeah, we broke out at like five a.m. Out the it was it was it still dark when we went out. A little bit getting into that twilight zone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we made bait last night actually, and uh, while we were making bait, I didn't have any, any rods. I think I told you earlier there was just an all-out peanut blitz in the river, and it was just torture for me and my buddy to just watch it like unfold. It was, it was so cool. And two feet of water doesn't get any better, and we we're just watching it. I'm like, oh, of course. Yeah, definitely. So we we broke we broke the inlet, ran out probably like probably a good 45 minutes or so. No, I I don't even know how how far we ran out. Hit the first pot, no one was home. Then we went to the second pot. Uh, Duncan flipped out a couple of peanuts, and then he looked at. He's like, "Holy crap, that's the biggest mahi he's seen!" Like our second pot, it was a big fish. Like he, it was a loner. It was just cruising. He's like, he's like, "Go back, go back, grab a peanut." And literally, I flipped that peanut past the, the buoy, and he drew through another handful. Dude, that that thing just ate it and just took off like rip drag right off the reel like no man like this was a, like this was like a 5k stratic too and he was just like nah he didn't want to stop he just kept going and then dude it was like i was on it he, he aired out he went all over the place running all over crazy and muck and then duncan's over here handling the, the helm and sh- handling the helm trying to get us away from this buoy so we don't get wrapped up and then like i'm fighting him back and forth back and forth and we get him i get him both sides and then like i look around Duncan's in the back. He's doing something because he didn't think that the fish was coming up yet. I was like, I was like, I see color. He's like, already so fast. So I'm lifting it up. I'm lifting it up, and then it's just like it's coming up, coming up real slow, doing the little circles. And then he comes, I he comes over with the net, getting ready to net it right. And then freaking, he sees the boat, and he just bolts, rips off like another freaking like hundred yards of freaking line, and then he pulls the hook. And then we both just sat there like, what just happened? Yeah, it was a it was a heartbreak to start today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, easily thirty five plus inch. You know, Duncan's seen it, and he's seen enough of these in the water. He 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 has the eye for it, so he kind of knows. He's like, I can't believe that was the first fish of the day. And we thought, and he said, he's like, man, we're gonna have a freaking epic day. Mm. Yeah, I, if that happens right away, I'm like, oh, it's on. Like it's it was a weekday today, so we're like, there's no pressure on these fish. There haven't hasn't been for a few days. So we're like, okay, if, if they're eating like that, it's, it's going to be a good day. And yeah. then uh, it was a bit of a grind after that. Yeah, 15 pots later, not a single fish. Yeah, And then, and then we found one pot that had them on there, but they were like the most finicky. Like, I mean, let me Duncan explain to you why they were so finicky. They're yeah, they, I mean, they were deep. Like normally early morning, they're up top right on the pot, right? And you just look at the – the pot and it's right there next to it all lit up blue green yellow but uh for some reason i don't know what the reason was but they were down deep today like really deep all day yeah it was just this one pot it had a school like 15 20 fish going around in circles underneath super deep and like we would pitch the uh the peanuts at them and they would come up 
and take a couple of lilies and then they will right back down. And then that was it. And then we said, and then I just, I guess I just got lucky. And then I figured, I was like, you know, we came up with the great idea. Like we keep hooking them through the nose and we fling it out. Maybe the, maybe they've noticed the, uh, the peanuts being hooked in the nose by so many people fishing for them every day. So I came up with the great idea. Like, let me try to hook it through the back anal. So I, I hooked it through the back, flipped it in. I guess it swims weird. It swims a different way. And he came up, he crushed it. So, I mean, we got, once we got that boat in the, that one fish in the boat, we were, we were relieved for a while. Yeah. That took some weight off the shoulders there. And it was a nice fish still. It was, was a nice solid, it was a solid fish. It was my, actually, you know, gotta thank Duck. That was my actual very first mine. You know, off the boat, like legit mahi. You know, that's like a legit size worth mentioning. Not little chickens, even though some people oh, yeah. say chickens count. But you know, like this was like legit to me. Well, you said you got your first chickens yeah. off the the T rocks, right? I mean, that's yeah, but, that's serious, legendary stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, but still, it's like this. This is a solid, like real mahi. So you know what I mean? It was it was solid. Uh, and the rest yeah. of the day, we rest of the day we just bounced around, didn't see any more life, and then uh. And then pretty much Duncan said uh, he has a spot that just it held chickens yesterday. So he's like, if we're going to try to get one on a fly rod, it's going to be our best bet. And ran over there and lo and behold, he was right there. The chickens were there. First couple of cats with the epoxy, we didn't see them come up. And then all of a sudden I, we saw them come up after they're like, oh, there they are. And then we just kept casting, casting, trying to bait and switch, bait and switch. Then I had to switch the intermediate line and we finally got down and got one to eat. <laughs> It was pretty fun. It was epic on the fly. Anything on a fly rod's fun. I don't care if it's a chicken or whatnot. It on a fly rod, it's fun. It's still a mahi on the fly, right? Exactly. Check that off the list, right, Bobby? Yeah, that's right. I told Bobby, like, I'm getting everything I can on the fly this year, and I'm gonna mark it off my list. <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, no, I, it was it was a tough day today. With I mean, I felt like we were at an aquarium just watching them just you know tease us all day. <laughs> it was bad. Bobby, what are your experience with mahi? Haven't you been out there plenty of times with mahi? I been out only one time. It's the furthest I've ever run the boat out of the inlet, um, and it was because of Christian actually, because <laughs> um, Christian said I got a spot. It was a big old yellow weather buoy from University of San Diego, I think, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear they're not out there anymore. I hear they're gone. Um, but we had a spot. We went out there and it was kind of the same deal. We ran out there, um, except for it was loaded. There was mahi everywhere on top of it. Uh, them efforts wouldn't eat anything. Nothing at all. I mean, and we had, we didn't have live bait, but we had some killies, uh, and they just didn't want those at all. And we kind of stayed at it for a very long time pitching the kitchen sink at them throwing over squid and like we got one on a piece <coughs> of squid uh and then we got another one and then i don't know what happened but all of a sudden they just got hungry uh, they just started eating like crazy start eating everything uh, yeah pretty much no matter what you do we had this one lore which i don't even know what it was i think it was like a shimano like, like an epoxy like a cold sniper you no know, it was like a jig with wings um and my one buck actually my buddy colin was out there with us too it was the first time i met colin he was on that trip and we went out there uh and i gave him this jig and i don't know what it was about the way it moved in the water or whatever but that jig got crushed it's the only one i had and then you guys know my boat i have it the t-top and like he caught like five or six mahi on it and I, it was the only thing working and then he went to do a cast and he friggin' hits the t-top snaps it off 
I have no idea what that lore was. It's gone to this day. It's in the ocean somewhere by wherever that buoy was. <laughs> um, <coughs> but that's really my only experience with them. We didn't get anything big about them. Oh, I lied. I have one other experience with them. We went out with uh, actually one of my friends. He's a guide on the West Branch, Kevin Smarco. Um, him and his dad were down and I just took him out to do some bottom fishing. It was kind of just early morning. We were just kind of cruising around. Went out to the Axel Carlson and there was a sea bass trap with a buoy. Um, and I gave him an epoxy jig and I said, I don't know if anyone's home, but just chug it at that, that pot and see what goes on. And first cast, he throws at the pot, boom, gets smashed by a mahi. Um, so they were close that year. I don't know, was this, this was a couple of years ago at this point, two, three years ago. Um, but they were all over the reef. Maybe this is when you got your mahi off the, 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 the tees there. Yeah, maybe. Um, they were close. They were, they were really close. I mean, we were getting them in the Axel Carlson, which is only a couple miles off the beach. Um, but other than that, I don't really have any other experience because I don't go out that far. No, no. It's funny. Your boat's the one with the twins. You don't go out that far. He's got the I single. Bad he's, luck got, <laughs> he's got the single. And he runs way out there with that little single, man. Christian said yeah. that you have to trust your engine. And at that point, we already repaired one. And this yeah. year, or I guess last year, the other one blew. So I've just kind of been not trusting it. <laughs> yeah, iffy about it ever since that incident, because I am not a mechanic guy. If something bad goes out there, Duncan's getting the call or Christian's getting the call to come save me because there's no listen. way I'm figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, that, you got to be careful with it, but uh, we bought the engine new. So I'm like, I, I got enough confidence in it for now, you know, maybe two, 300 hours down the line, maybe not as much confidence, but uh, for now I'm, I'm trusting it. Hasn't, hasn't let me down yet. Yeah. I told myself like, like I'm ballsy with my, my little skiff. I'll take it out 10, 15 miles, but at a point, I was like, one day, one day, I'm, one season, I'm just gonna get a brand new one, and when it does, I'm, I'm taking all the way out 25 miles. I don't care. This is, this is a bad conversation, knowing that Duncan's going out tomorrow. Like, we should not, <laughs> not be having this. <laughs> nah, man, that boat's solid, dude. Super solid. Cool, it's a Kobe. Yeah. I think that was a Kobe. Is that a newer boat? Is that the one? That uh, you 24 Kobe. I think it's 2020. Oh. Uh, maybe 2021. I could be wrong, but um, I, I love the way it rides. Yeah, we just got rid of Cobia. Oh, you did? Yeah, we had a 31-foot Cobia sport cabin, so it was kind of weird layout, <laughs> but it did not ride very well. I mean, it hauled ass, but it did not ride very well. And I love that boat. I don't know what you're talking about. I love that thing. It was fine. It was okay. <laughs> Center console would have been better. Yeah, the, the 24 is built real well. <coughs> We've had it in some some serious waves. Uh I mean, there's been times where we're like, uh, we probably shouldn't be be out here. The waves are, you know, head high, <laughs> and I'm yeah. six yeah, yeah. foot. Hey, look, he's 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 catching giants, blue fins, yellow fins on the little 24 cobia. I'll take that any day, man. Yeah, got to get one on the skiff. It's possible. <laughs> unless unless we get fishing game to come check my HMS permit, like they did to you today. Yeah, they they were out today. It was nice, you know, seeing them out at the at the marina. You know, it's nice to see that because yeah. Makes everyone have to follow the rules. Dude, he was literally parked. Bobby, he was literally he parked up into the marina and literally just checked everybody. I guess he did. Well, he checked him because I guess he saw the Artuna popping gear on top. So he asked for his HMS. Bird. That's the first time I've ever seen him ask for it. Yeah, that's the first time I've ever seen him at the marina. And I'm, I'm there, uh, a, you know, every day at least twice. <laughs> <coughs> All right. So this is going to roll up into a why this whole podcast happened. Uh, let's talk buoy hopping from mahi man it's it's my first experience today and 
I like it. I like it's a lot of work. It's a lot of grind. Maybe it's a little bit different when they actually cooperate. But for today, I know it was a grind, but it was well worth. It. So I, I, I like the experience. It was, it was super fun. Uh, so let's let's when does the season begin? Like, what are we looking at? What are we looking for to determine when you should start heading out the inlet, start looking, you know, looking for pots and stuff like that? So typically you're going to uh, look for, what is it, 74 degrees. Um, I've had them in 72 before, but um, 74 is kind of that sweet spot. And um, you just want that clean blue water to come in. And uh, you'll just go out there, explore the pots. Um, and the whole process with it is uh, just, you know, going up to the pot, throwing some chunks in there or liveies, whichever you got, and uh, looking to see what's going to come up and uh, all you're looking for is that like that lit up blue or that like yellow green and golden colors to come up you see that you're at the right pot and uh we typically start seeing them you know like mid-august and then september is kind of the hot one on the inshore grounds offshore you could you could find them a lot earlier and a lot later just because that water is so much warmer cool. yeah we're going to save that approach for a couple of lines down but uh, let's start earlier so so you're saying mahi give and take end of August and end of August is when you kind of have an idea of just watching the water temperatures when to start look for, look for about 72, 74. And then for that bluish green aqua kind of um, clean water, like you, you told me today, as soon as you get out there, when you start looking back to your motors and you see that blue water come off your, your, your rooster tail or whatnot off the back, then you know that's the right water, right? Yeah. When you see that like Caribbean blue water in your prop wash, um, you know you're in the right water and like today we, there, some new water came in a little greener not much but like just enough where you're like all right that's not the same color um so you're really looking for as blue as possible that pure like offshore canyon kind of water gotcha you have a, right. do you have an app you use for water temp i don't um i just i kind of use my network to kind of figure that out i i really should i just i'm too cheap to buy terrafin or an app like that uh, yeah, because I heard those term those uh those tuna guys they really like invest in their really good money for like you know the, the looking for temp breaks and stuff like that. Like I hear a lot about it. So yeah, it it definitely plays a role in it. Um, I'm inshore in the 24, so my range is like 50, 60 miles. So when I I kind of looked at it as if I got a good enough network, I'm gonna know about a bite, and so I don't I don't I'm not gonna run out there unless I have the bite. Because like Bobby said, is it worth the gas money? You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hear you. that's my biggest, there's, my biggest problem with it is always knowing when to go. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's why he said have a great network. You know, you got Christian, you got, you know, you know, plenty of other tuna guys out there. If there's a bite, they'll let you know. And that's I mean, that's the key in the in the game, right? Like to have a freaking super solid network of guys that you trust. And that at the same time, will keep that kind of like no, that. I, I understand. I just always want to be that first guy. <laughs> and I want to know how to make that call. When, when, when do we think it should go? I mean, even if we don't hear anything, somebody's got to be first. Yeah. Right. And I yeah. feel like it's always the, um, I don't, I don't want to say the best fishermen's, but there's, there's always people that I know that always get on them first and they know something that we don't know, uh, whether it's an app that they're paying for or it's just dumb luck, but I just feel like they must know something and I want to be out there first. Yeah. Oh, definitely. They got the chlorophyll charts and the water temps and all that. Those guys, they, they're the ones with the apps, you know. <laughs> those guys get serious, man. Those thermal climbs and there's all the crazy temp break apps and stuff. And they read it like it's freaking super chart and stuff. Yeah. And like they they know they'll be like this spot 
this time of year, perfect. Cause that water's coming in. There's see that, you know, that temperate coming in and they are the guy, they are the best guys out there, you know? So. And we see it on, we, we see it watching wicked tuna, man. Those guys are always out there. You got to wait for the beep. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that fake totally real put on there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like... You got to listen for the beep until if you don't hear the beep, you ain't catching fish. I'm telling you. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, so we, we know when we start looking. So, and then end of August, it's time to start maybe taking a poke your head out there. But then you said September is like when it starts really heating up with the Mahi. Yeah. September is typically your prime Mahi month in Jersey, especially on the inshore grounds. Mm-hmm. And how long is that? How, how long does that time that, that run usually stay on for? So typically we'll get a big tropical storm sometime like mid to late September. And that'll like just, kill the bite i think those fish just kind of go with the storm bring some warmer water out deep and they just kind of follow that storm out no yeah that's that weird that's that weird september nor'easter that like destroys our mullet run too every year when it gets about started and then yeah it just comes in our mullet run just gets destroyed like nothing yeah exactly all right so typically going offshore i mean inshore we call this inshore because it's under 50 miles what's the tackle you bringing out there um so always now i got my tuna rods on me if i'm going sea bass and fluking no matter what i'm keeping tuna rods um and then so for the tackle for the mahi is about a seven foot rod and you just want it to be fast to uh moderate fast with uh the ability to cast up to an ounce um i'm typically not going to throw anything heavier than an ounce just because i'm going super small presentation for these guys um and then i forget the exact model you had today but that century rod was just perfect for it well the century demon yeah yep um it's, that's it's like light nine. it's light it's casting all castability all day and it's also finesse rod that you can pitch those those peanuts and stuff light line um, yeah and it's got the backbone and it has the backbone we've seen the backbone so it the, i can't wait to see the go gopro footage on that one yeah I, I i gotta go through that later tonight but i'm super excited to see it wait quant did you throw the century fly today yes i did that was what that was no, the, the, the one I actually caught the chicken on was the Orvis. The oh, cent- it the looks cent- like an Orvis rod. Yeah, the Century had the uh, the FMA had the uh, had the floating line and the line wasn't getting down. So yeah. the, the the Orvis had the uh, the intermediate. So uh yeah. All right, that was off subject. We're going back. All <laughs> right, so so we got the rods, real size. What are we looking at? Um, it's personal choice anywhere from like three to five thousand. I like the five thousand just so I have that extra line in case yeah. you hook into that. 20 pounder um and, and plus you have that extra drag if you're using heavier line because they're not line shy that day or mm-hmm. whichever but you know kind of up to you anywhere from three to five k okay and then brave wise look at anywhere like 15 20 ish yeah i'd go 20 to like 40 um is probably like the optimal spot um you don't want to go really less than 20 just because like i said the off shot there's a big bowl 20 mm-hmm. pounder on that pot you know you don't want to break off because you're braid yeah okay and then the, you mentioned it a minute uh, a couple minutes ago that um uh line shy so so we talked about leaders today while we we're on the boat because you were thinking of going smaller lighter but uh do they get super line shy some days yeah so i've noticed that some days they will get just ultra finicky kind of like they were today and um you got to downsize your if you're going with bait you got to have your hooks match your bait. So if you're going with little like three inch peanuts, you need a one, two odd hook. And then um, in terms of line, 
Uh, I don't like going under 12 pound flora and it's all flora just because of how clean that water is. Um, today we were going 15 though, just cause you know, it, there, there were some bigger fish in there. So I wouldn't mind having 15 rather than 12. Yeah. And that he stressed the importance of uh, matching your hook with your, your bait. Cause we had, we had like nice size, like two, three inch peanuts. And our first hook was way too big. And I think the mahi could see it. So he pulled out these little hooks that were like that big, like literally like maybe, I don't even know what size they were. What size were those, the little ones you brought out? After? They were one of the new tsunami hooks. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they, I haven't seen them before yesterday. I saw them at the tackle shop. I'm like, oh my gosh, these are perfect for what we're going to do tomorrow. Yeah. And then and circles, right? You circle hooks? Yeah, like, just they gut hook pretty easy. And uh, when you're going with that light leader, you don't, they got teeth, not crazy teeth, but enough where they'll break you off. So with that lighter leader, I like that. If I could get them in the corner of the mouth, I'm going to do everything I can to do that. Cool. All right. So line, bait hooks. All right. So perfect. So pretty much, I mean, so pretty much are we always bait fishing or is there a possibility of artificial catching them artificials too? Totally a possibility of artificial. It just, it kind of depends on the day. Sometimes they're more than willing to hit a popper. Um, and then other days they will only hit like a live three inch peanut. Um, but yeah, no, there's definitely times I know you guys got them yesterday on poppers and, uh, it just, it, it depends on their mood. Cool. All right. Well, so we got through the tackle bait wise. This is kind of one of those things that's like you come out with everything you possibly think they would eat just in case. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so typically when guys are going for mahi, it's, you know, to save a tuna trip or something like that. So if you're out there, you hopefully have chunks, uh, like a butterfish flat or a sardine flat. And uh, what you'll do is you'll just cut them up in like little one inch little pieces of bait. You'll throw a bunch in and uh, put a hook in one eventually. And uh, sardines are probably the best flat bait for them. Um, and then live bait, you go killies, spearing, or peanuts like we did today. So pretty much we're trying to trick them. That's what it is. We give them a bunch of, what do you call freebies? Freebies, yeah. You give them a bunch, you toss a bunch of freebies, a handful of freebies, and they they go ham, they come up, they eat it, and then one of those freebies has a a hook in it, and then hopefully he grabs that one and you you nail them. Exactly. And the whole point with the hook is you just got to hide it as, you know, as well as possible. So that's kind of why I like chunks sometimes, Mm -hmm. just because it's so much easier to hide a hook in a chunk than it is in in a live peanut. And with that being said, are their eyes that keen? Like they can really see, say that that hook exposed or whatnot. Because I, I haven't done much research of looking, you know, the like the philo- the, the, the background of what a mahi does, like how good their eyes. And we know like some fish like wa- walleyes, right? They can see superbly at dark. Uh, and, you know, or albies. Albies can really key in on bait and then they'll tell if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't seem right, they won't touch it, they'll turn on it. Yeah. So like, just from experience, I don't know any of the science behind it, but um, there's like, just, like I said, kind of the mood, it depends on the day. Some days, like last Saturday I was out there and we had a live, a freebie and one on the hook, they came up, stopped, and then they took the freebie and just ignored the one on the hook. Um, So I think with that clear water, I mean, it's, you know, 20 to 30 feet of biz if you're in that clear blue water. Um, And then some days when they're just finicky, you just, they see it and you just kind of got to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, I saw that today when I was throwing the fly, cause I was started the day throwing that, uh, that pink and white deceiver. So I would launch it. It would sink. I'd drag it in. They, you, they'd follow it. Kind of like how they, the muskies follow our lures, right, Bobby? Nice and slow. They're just tracking it. 
and they were watching it, but they wouldn't touch it. And I would pause, strip, pause, strip, and then they would just look at it, look at it, and then get to the boat, they'll turn off and run off. So I switched back, I switched down to a um, a clouser. I went with a, a black and gold clouser with, with heavy eyes and the set, and it was real small, like real, real small. And that's that's what took it on the on the small clouser with the, the heavy eyes. So, I mean, I guess you're right. They, they watch it until a certain point, and then they just literally, when they're ready, they go after it. Yeah, and you got to remember these inshore ones are getting pressured more so than the offshore ones. So just, I mean, if they're still alive, they're they're smart fish. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said those big ones too. They're not dumb. They're they're not they're not big, you know, for no no apparent reason. I mean, they oh, grow yeah. they grow stupid fast, but you know. Yeah, it's like uh, two inches a week in like optimal conditions and stuff. It's, it's nuts. And then and then full size and like what you say? What you say? It was two years old, three years old, something like that. Yeah, one year they can reproduce, and then I think it's only a five-year lifespan. I read earlier today. So you yeah. got to imagine those those giant Costa Rica bulls are five years old. At, yeah, five, at most, seven years probably. old. They grow so fast, and that's why, like, it's a very sustainable fishery. And then, you know, they I mean, they, they breed multiple times a year, I believe, because the one we had, the one we harvested today had, uh, had eggs in it, too. Yeah, and uh, the big cow we had on Sunday had a ton of eggs in it, too. So I'm curious to find out if they're coming up here breeding or if just the whole, like, what's going on with them up, up here. Mm-hmm. <coughs> All right, so we've gone through the baits, the tackle, location-wise. So we are so are we strictly targeting off of just pots, right, pretty much? Yeah, so if you're pot hopping, you're going to look for the pots or any debris in the water, um, like, the dream is to find a floating tree out there. If you find a floating tree, there's there's going to be a lot of mahi on that, and they're probably going to be pretty hungry. Um, so that that's key. And then the other thing you could do is you control for them, just kind of around the pots and the area of the pots, um, and you could pull some that way too. Okay. Are there certain I mean, parts? Go ahead, Bob. How, how do you find your pots? I don't need to know what pots, but is it like you're doing something else and you just feel like, hey, look, pot. Hey, look, pot. Or is it you have a system to figuring out where they are. Um, so when, when you're out there enough, you kind of realize, all right, this area has the pots, this area has the pots, like, um, the, they put the pots on contour cause they're going for stuff on the bottom of lobster and stuff. And they, they like the contour. So if you can find an area with a lot of contour, there's odds are there's going to be a pot or, uh, shipwrecks usually have pots on them too. Um, and then, you know, like, there's certain areas you go to and you know, the commercial guys have pots there. So like after a while, I'm like, all right, this spot, this spot, this spot, you know? Yeah. And I would assume like when you're out there tuna fishing and you'll, you'll drive by a pot, you'll, you'll notice that you'll just mark it, you know, just for future reference. Like, Oh, I remember I've seen pots here. Oh, I've seen pots there. So you just like, I, I was watching, I was watching his graph and the dude there, he, there was marks all over his graph. I'm assuming those were all like pot marks that he just over the years, he just kept marking them. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Like it just—it looks like a bunch of connected dots on his graph. I was just like, I don't even know what I was looking at. It was just like all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I understand that, but the, the problem is pots move. Right? Yeah, they, they do move. Up, they don't catch lobsters that day, so that pot gets pulled and put somewhere else. So, <coughs> yeah, uh, I bet you half of his marks actually are for nothing, right? And I don't want to be that guy who runs fifty <laughs> miles and is like, oh shit, my pot's not here, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, and well, typically the area that they're in, there's like they're not alone kind of thing. Like, like you probably saw it today. There'd be three in a row. And yeah. Stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like uh, 
not giving away too much, but like reefs are good areas to look for pots just because they have good bottom and that bottom's not going to move. And those fish are, there's always something on a reef, you know? Okay. Very cool. So, so let's talk about this approach. You kind of, you kind of just, uh, you, you brushed on it a little bit earlier. So are we approaching say down current up to that pot? And then what, how do we prepping for the, uh, the initial approach for this pot? Just in case first we got to figure out, is there anyone home? Yeah, so what you're going to do is you're going to go up current of the pot, um, going in, you know, super slow, not to spook anything on there. Because um, you got to remember they're up in the water column. They, they can hear your engine coming from like a mile away. Um, so you'll go up current and then you'll drift down into the pot. While you're drifting in, you got to get the uh, person with the baseball arm up in the bow and they throw the bait. And as you drift by, you're just watching the bait, seeing if any, uh, any blue flashes, gold flashes come by and, uh, if they do, you're on the right pot. You got lucky. And, um, you know, then, you know, start fishing by keep chunking, keep drift, doing the drift over it over and over again and uh, stick some hooks in whatever you're throwing in or artificial if you're going artificial. Gotcha. Do you know <coughs> one that uses a trolling motor for them? I don't, but if I could have a trolling motor on my boat, I would. 100%. It'd make yeah. it so much easier. Oh, yeah. We would have we would went up current, spot locked up top, and literally just drift back and literally just sit there. Yeah. yeah. The, My biggest problem with the story I was telling was we had crazy wind that day. So we like, we pull up to the buoy, they get spooked. By the time they came back up, we'd be like 500 yards away at that point and have to start all over again. Yeah. A little similar today. We had, uh, for some reason, they sat on the up current side of the pot today for whatever yeah. reason. And we, it was a quick drift. And so we just drift by so quick. And once we were on that backside, they just weren't, wouldn't sit on that backside for whatever reason. So, yeah. you know, we had a really quick shot at them. Yeah. They stayed up current and it was, it was funny because we would chuck out a bunch of freebies. They would come up, pop off a couple, just look, and then go right back down and deep. Dude, it was a, yeah. it was a, it was a decent school though. Like 15, 20 fish, same size, all about the same size I had with they, they were good, decent, like five, eight pounders you know they just get they were nice they were swimming around like i've never really seen mahi in the water though but like when i stood like i didn't see it until i stood on the deck the top of the bow and looked down and dude they look so cool just swimming around in the schools yeah when they get the pectorals all lit up blue on the end mm -hmm. on the bigger ones yeah it's, it's, i could do it all day <laughs> all right so we were i mean we actually already discussed the technique so uh so any tips and tricks that you can kind of give like to like to say the first timers trying to you know do their first attempt of mine? Um, just find some pots. Uh, keep moving is probably the best. If, if they're not on a pot, you go, you know, two quick drifts on it with the bait getting down deep. Um, they're probably not on it. And like I kind of said earlier, if there's one pot in the area, odds are there's a bunch of other ones, um, at least nearby. And uh, a little tip you could use is your radar. So if there's a, like a radar reflector on one of the pots, which usually there is on the end of the line, um, you could find a little line of pots that way. Because what they'll normally do is they'll just put the pots in a line, you know, uh, probably like a quarter mile apart, something like that. Um, and you just hit that line, just keep moving. And uh, yeah, just that's basically it. Keep moving until you find them. Yeah, 15, 20 pots. You'll find one that you literally hit the lottery and you're going to go with it and stay on that one pot. I mean, we, we, I think we did the cardinal sin of like leaving that pot that had all those fish. I mean, we probably could have got another one to eat, but we had, you know, we had, we thought maybe we could find another pot with fish that actually wanted to eat because these were very finicky. 
They were yeah. they, they stayed, but they kept circling around, but they just they just didn't want to eat. We worked it for like a probably a good half hour, 45 minutes too. Yeah, and, just to uh, pull that just to pull that one fish off of it, and that was it. Yeah. And uh, another piece of advice would be get as high as you can. Like uh, you kind of mentioned getting on top of the bow. Um, yeah. Like I'm standing on the side, holding on to my T-top, leaning over just to try to get a better angle because that glare. Um, what I try to do is get the sun to my back. Just it eliminates the glare <clears throat> and with your polarized glasses. It's so it's easier to see them by far. And a really good, really good pair of glasses too. Like, yeah, you, you had a great pair today. <laughs> Yeah, the coast is on. Like you, you literally. That's one of the important tools of seeing mahi. Is you need a really good pair of glasses to see down, because um, technically, I mean, with a good pair of glasses, you can see 20, 35, you know, thirty vis all the way down to the bottom of that buoy. Because sometimes, like today, they sat deep. You couldn't tell. Like it's just like a little glimmer of green, little glimmer of blue. But but another key is uh, I've learned today. You know, what Duncan's saying is, as the as the peanuts are dropping down, they flash. So they roll in their sides with a little flash, like a silver belly. You just keep watching that flash until it disappears. If they, if it, all of a sudden that flash just disappears, you know, Amahi just came and picked him up. So, yep. It's pretty cool. So, uh, man, that's also, I mean, I know we're talking about part hopping, you know, pot hopping and stuff for Mahi, but um, I mean, I've heard see, talked about guys with like seeing uh, like grass, right? Grass out there, like grass lines and stuff. Do you see yeah, grass out there? I've seen them before. Um, nothing like you get on the West Coast. Like the West Coast guys, they get those giant patties, and uh, um, they're just they're loaded. It's like finding a tree kind of thing. But um, out here, I've come across some like relatively big ones um, for Jersey, and they they've been on there before. Um, but for some reason, I just I haven't come across those giant ones like you see on the West Coast um, or down in Florida. But if you find big patty, it's it's probably worth definitely throwing a few chunks. Yeah, I mean, just anything in the water though, right? A piece of board, uh, a a wooden skid, you know, like anything that's just floating around by itself that has no reason to be out there, you know, hold, yeah. stru hold structure for. I mean, the 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 mahi aren't there for structure, are they? They're they're there to eat, and then yep. the the and what hides under that structure is the bait fish, you know, the little bait fish. They're hiding there because that's the only thing on the open ocean to hide. So the mahi are looking for these structures because it knows it knows that the bait fish are hiding under those. It's like an oasis in the middle of the desert kind of thing. Um, yeah, like we, just, yeah, we saw that we saw that sea turtle today. I thought I thought I was like, man, maybe we'll, maybe we'll find a mahi under the sea turtle. I was hoping to see a cobia under that sea turtle, <laughs> but not no cobia. Yeah, that would have been awesome. But uh, so dead sea turtles too, if they're floating, you know just because they're not moving as much since they're dead. <laughs> um, they, they'll hold mahi sometimes too, because they'll get growth on their shell and it creates a whole other <coughs> ecosystem there. And the one we saw today almost looked dead. He didn't do nothing. <laughs> he, uh, he ran away once he saw us. He, he uh, didn't want anything to do with us. Cool. So, well, I mean, we went through the whole bot pot, mahi pot hopping thing. A lot of good info, man. Thanks. You know, thanks for letting, you know, giving, helping people out with that. But uh, there's another obsession you like, um and you've been pretty obsessed with it it's tuna yeah totally um this year it's been a rough year on the inshore grounds but uh the offshore grounds the canyons have been crazy good um but normally the last few years we get those inshore bites on those inshore lumps anywhere from like 20 to the, 20 miles to the canyon pretty much um and it's it's such a thrill when you hook one of those it's 
it bites you. And it's like that salt water throw gets, I mean, it gets yeah. a grip on you and it doesn't like that. <laughs> yeah. That was my next question. Like why are people so obsessed with them? I think it's the fight. Like, I mean, it's a, it, especially the bigger <laughs> ones, it's a battle. And, uh, they kind of remind you how you got to respect the ocean and stuff like that. Um, just the pure power of them. I mean, it, it's it's a weird feeling when your arms feel like noodles from a, from a little fish. Bobby, have you ever done tuna yet? I did. I went out with Jim Fred at one time. Uh, and I'll tell you, the tuna wasn't so bad, but the jigging was... F- if I was drinking, I would have been cursing right now. Effing torturous. My <coughs> God. I mean, it was, it was a grind that day. I mean, we jigged for hours and hours and hours before you finally and then you finally hook one and your arm already feels like it wants to fall off and then you got to buy a battle of fish for 15 20 minutes and then your arm really wants to fall off and i actually hooked one after all of that and then my second drop after i hooked that fish i hooked into another one and i just handed the rod off i was like i can't jesse <laughs> take this i'm done like i can't do it that's not, that sounds like me me and you musky fishing all or right? casting well, all day. Well, I mean, it, it was a little different, but, like, they really tear you a new one. And um, something I want to do again, but I just lost my boat. And I got all the gear, and then my boat blew up, so I haven't had the opportunity to get back out there. But I do want to get one on the fly. That is, like, I want to get a 12-weight and just get it done. Yeah, it's possible. Why not, right? We've seen people do it. That's why when yeah, you I guess when you when you start putting together that jigging and a popping setup, you just gotta buy the lightest gear possible, man. Yeah, especially if your jigging rod, you want as light as possible. And then um that's where it's worth getting the high-end reels. The those higher end reels, they have the drag, they'll, you know, they're built to withstand that. And they're a lot lighter than um some of the cheaper reels. And you know, when you're out there jigging five hours a day, six hours a day, it it, it pays off. It's worth the extra hundred, two hundred bucks in the end. Yeah, we had to talk about that. Is it worth the extra 400 for that Stella over the Twin Power? So my take on it, jigging rod, I'd go Stella just because I think it is a few ounces lighter. And mm-hmm. over the course of the day, it, it does make a difference. And then the for my popping rods and casting, I'm only going Twin Power. It's just I'll take it. And it's not too big of a difference between them, a couple seals, stuff like that. Um, and for just the difference in hookups, I, I – tend to hook up more on the jig than the popper so um i'm like you know i'd rather have the high-end reel on the jigging rod i'm assuming the popper is like one of those dream bites right you roll up to a, a white froth and you throw that popper in and then freaking nothing gets annihilated and that tune of airs out and goes all crazy yeah pretty much <laughs> uh, popper that- technique confuses <coughs> me a lot though because it's not no, like so- it's not like a pencil popper. It's not like a, a bass popper where you're like pop, 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 pop. It's these long fluid uh, strokes. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's one of those weird things. Like <coughs> you got to remember bluefin tuna are super fast, but the bait they're eating, not so much. Uh, like the only bait that they eat that's really fast are the half beaks. And we don't see that until late fall, early winter, maybe. Um, the Cape Cod, Cape Cod guys see it um, a lot more. But other than the half beaks, everything else is super slow. So you just got to remember to slow down the, uh, slow down the popper because, you know, it's a it's a wounded fish, you know. Yeah, we we broke out the tuna rods for like a split second there because we saw something come up frothing like for like a good two three minutes. I mean, it could have been albies, but we weren't taking chances. As soon as the thing came up, I noticed that he noticed that he reached right up for the popping rods. Like let's just start chucking them. Yeah, can't hurt. Yeah, so. 
So this is my question. And I've always talked to asked this myself. I was like, should you get people into tuna fishing? It's an obsession, a very expensive obsession, I bet. Yeah. So like I said, like to you earlier on the boat, I'm like, because, you know, I'm still 20. I'm living at home this summer. I'm like, you know what? I don't have to pay rent yet. So I figured get into it now. get the gear while I still can. And, uh, but no, it, it is a serious commitment to get the gear. Um, and getting into it, I think with, with the rods and stuff, if you're just getting into it, you can definitely go in on the lower end on the rods. Um, the reels, I would recommend getting it if you think you're going to be into it, just going with the Twin Power or the Stella. Um, I'm a Shimano guy. That's kind of why I recommend those two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'd recommend reels if you think like higher end reels, if you're going to get into it long term. Um, just something that's going to last. Bobby, there's, a of, there's a lot of good used tuna gear out there too. Um, yeah. And it's Facebook not because people are like not interested in tuna fishing. It just has gotten too expensive for them and they're just done with it and they start selling it. So there's a lot of Facebook market stuff. My I gear mean, actually is hand me down from Chris Driscoll. Um, oh, nice. You know, too. Yeah. So I actually bought all his old gear um, <laughs> for better or for worse. I haven't used it. So I don't know if he ripped me <laughs> off yet, but <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> nah. I mean, but there's so much like I mean, you don't have to go all out and buy like those crazy like tuna rods, you know. What I mean, like the, the rods you had on the boat were they they're they were great, you know, and they're 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 a great price range, and then you can get into like the whole jigging world, the night like what is it the the ghost hunters and like you know, those under three under sub three hundred, you know, rods shot every so I mean you can get away with some of that, but and once you get into the game hard. The most important part is a boat, right? You need the boat that makes it out there. So, yeah, or the buddy with one, you know, or the buddy with one. Um, or make friends, yeah. be, be friends with a bunch of buddies with different boats. There you what's go. That, what's that saying? The best boat is the one your friend has. Yeah, pretty much. Like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> look, look, friends, friends don't let friends. You know, if you're gonna jump in your buddy and he know you know you guys are burning like 50, 60 gallon that day, pitch in for fuel, guys. Please do. Please, yeah. please be a good friend and pitch in for fuel. It helps, especially with ice and everything nowadays. It adds up. Yeah, I, I tried that with Duncan today. He's like, I ain't having it. <laughs> so I think we'll call it even if I get a decent sheep sometime. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely we're definitely gonna do this. Hopefully, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the tides and stuff for next week. I'm like, I'm you know what? I'm gonna try to drag you out before you go back to school. <laughs> I'm down. Let me know when. I'm I'm down for sure. Bobby, any last touches on uh, tuna before we move up? No, I have one question back to Mahi, though. Okay. Because there's something that's out in the ocean <clears throat> that I swear should hold Mahi, and it never does. Why do Mahi not like balloons? I So I think it's because there's not a lot of growth on them. Um, <coughs> they're too because, new. Exactly. Because um, they're looking – so when something's in the water, it'll get the algae, right? And then – once you get the algae, you get like zooplankton and you get the uh, little minnows eventually. And then, so what you're doing is just, you want something with an ecosystem around it. Um, like I kind of said earlier, like an oasis in the middle of the desert of the ocean. Um, so as a mahi fisherman, are you advocating we should leave the balloons? No, no way. Pick up your balloons. Pick up 100%. The balloon. 100%. We got a few today. We got a few balloons. Hey, we even got a freaking, uh, a minnow bucket. We, yeah, we, we, we netted a mil, uh, one of those Fable, those yellow ones. We we saw it float in the middle of nowhere. Oh, we, nice. scooped, we scooped it up. It had the handle broken off of it. It looked old, but guess what? We picked it up. Dude, there were some jumbo killies in there. 
<laughs> just primo baits, but it was at there the end. Of- I wonder how how long those freaking killies been in that thing. That that bucket looked beat up. We've been out in the ocean for a very long time. I yeah, mean, I'm ha- happy we got it out real quick. I mean, it really does. I mean, we have a tube we throw in the bay, and it grows stuff within days. Yeah. And so it's not like a long time. If it has a lot of growth in it, it probably just a couple of days or so. Yeah. I mean, oh. we were driving around. Duncan would look at the buoys as we were driving by. He's like, no, nah, that's too clean. Oh, no, nah, that rope's too clean. Keep going. We'll, oh, we'll just keep, we'll, we'll drive. He'll be like, ooh, that one looks good. He's like, it looks all dark and growth and stuff. So we'll stop by. Like, pick and choose, man. He just drives by, skims them real quick. And like, I mean, is it even worth looking at? And not, he'll just move on to the next one. Yeah. And we noticed, like, if we saw pilot fish on there, there were mahi almost every yeah. time. Yeah. So it's just yeah, the one, the one, yeah, the one we hit that had all the fish on it had two pilot fishes that were just sitting on it all day. Yeah. And uh, over the last weekend, we saw some tropical triggers on there too. Like uh, I almost had one with the net, but they had like blue in their lip, blue on the tail. I think tropical triggers. I could be wrong. Um, I'm super curious to know what they are. <clears throat> I mean, if they're triggers and they're not the grays that we have usually that's around here, they got to be. So, yeah, that's what I figured. Uh, or you could just say, I saw a triple tail, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> all right. So, <clears throat> all right. So, to move off to that, let's, um, what are, what are your future goals, Doug? Like, where do you see yourself in like 10 more years? And honestly, what do you feel about the future of our fishery here in New Jersey? Um, 10 years from now, I'm hoping to have a job and uh, hopefully a boat, you know? Um, hopefully i'm thinking probably still here in jersey um just because i know this fishery pretty well and you know i've been learning it for a few years now and want to keep it up um and then i i'm thinking of possibly doing some part-time uh charters uh in the manasquan maybe some fall run stuff um stuff like that i uh passed my test i just i finished my days here a few weeks ago and uh just got to put my application in um and then in terms of the fishery uh, I know they got the windmills coming in, which I don't know. Um, I've heard mixed things about it. Um, everyone's got their own opinion. A lot of them are super strong, but uh, I'm curious to see what it's like. Um, it'll be structure and then, but you know, there's science apparently behind it saying that it's going to hurt the fishery or hurt the fluke fishery specifically because of the electromagnetic fields. Um, but I'm kind of curious to see what that's going to do. I think the offshore guys are going to love them as long as they're not hitting them, you know, at 2 a.m. Um, and then the inshore fishery, I think it's great, um, especially in the Manasquan. We got a great striper fishery in there. Um, every spring, we get that bluefish run. This spring was a little slow, but normally we get those gators in there, and it's just it's so much fun on, on light tackle. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we, get, we have a really great bass fishery in there, too, all year round. Um, like you can go there in middle of August, get a top water bite if you if you know what you're doing. Definitely. Yeah, d- don't pull a bobby run away all the way to Connecticut, man. We we need you to stay here. Yeah. <laughs> Connecticut's not that bad. It's not that especially bad, but then have, especially if you have friends like Joe Diorio around, you're fine, okay? Like you'll be okay. <clears throat> I guess. Yeah. Having friends with Joe is is a plus, definitely. The uh, the spring fishery up there, that herring run, I got in on that this past year. That was really fun. I mean, sight fishing bass on a paddleboard, two feet of water. Um, that was that was sick. It's awesome. It really is. Man, it makes me want to run up to Connecticut just to fish. I want to go up there because uh, Bobby has a really good smallmouth fishery. I'm kind of obsessed with smallmouth lately too. 
it's every cast right now. They're just all the water's real low, so like just in every deep spot. Yeah. It's every cast. I might have to come up there before I move into campus. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> stopping the bobbies, stopping the bobbies before the campus, before rolling the campus to set up. Just you gotta, pass you, right by campus and never go to campus. That's there you go. Doing. You got a car now. So you got a car now, so you're good to go wherever you want. Just, oh yeah, I'm, I'm planning that Rhode Island striper run. I'm, I'm gonna beg my buddies on campus to, you know, to have one of them take so me out. I'm so in that. I'm so in for that. I will meet you there. Swing oh yeah, by. let me know. Swing by, pick Bobby up, head right up to Cape Cod, the canal. Do it all, man. Just do it all in one shot. Oh, yeah. I do want to do the canal, too. I've never done it. I mean, I know it's a shithole. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not the right word. It's, it's <laughs> No. It it's, diff- it's different. <laughs> it's different. Just a friendly I, version. I want to do it. I want to, I want to say <laughs> I've done it. Yeah, it's kind of like the Mecca. Like, you got to do it just to say you did it, right? Yeah, yeah pretty much. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I want to go see it. I want to see if I catch fish out of it get yelled at by some locals it'll be fine yeah i've got to experience it man that's all it is i mean the fishery up there for the alpies are incredible too man gotta go yeah, to the vi- gotta on. do gotta do the vineyard gotta do the vineyard man <laughs> all right so we're moving on to uh some of our favorite questions that we love to ask our uh our guests on three bucket list fish that you would love to cross off uh i gotta say rooster fish on the fly for sure I mean, like trophy rooster or something like that. Um, hopefully a Spanish mackerel, um, but not our Spanish mackerel, the like Australian Spanish mackerel. They're like a size of the king mackerel, but just the top water eats are insane. They're jumping out like 10, 12 feet out of the water to eat. Um, and number three is probably a kingfish. Um, a, what do you call it? Yellowtail. They got them on the West Coast and in the Pacific. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to get one big one from land. Sound. Yeah, I looked that up. I'm trying to think kingfish. It's not the same king. Very mac- different than what we usually hear from our guests, honestly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a left field on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh I'm hoping to study abroad here in Australia in the spring. I got my application in and everything. Right. And so I'm like, I'm learning that fishery, you know, from the other side of the world through the internet and stuff. And those are kind of my bucket list ones for when I'm over there. If you yeah. don't go trout fishing in New Zealand <coughs> while you're there, you're not allowed to come back. Oh my, I, I, that's on the list for sure. Before I get there, like after, like one before or after, I want to stop in New Zealand and do that. You have to. It's a must. I mean, Thunder, gotta, down, Thunder Down Under, man. He's got the Barramundi over there. He's got the, uh, the GT off the rocks. Dude, the fishery over in Australia is insane. Then you, oh, then you get bored and you go fight a kangaroo. Oh, for real. I love that video somewhere on Instagram or YouTube or somewhere that guy. You know, I, you know, I can see doing that Bobby. I can see Bobby getting, getting drinking some whiskey and then just like deciding he wants a box kangaroo. For sure. Sounds about right. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, all right. Here's our other favorite one. Uh, if you only had one day to fish tomorrow, where would it be? And what would you be targeting? Uh, probably one of the canyons going for big eye because I really want to get a big eye. Big eye. Man, there's so many, yeah. there's so many species of tuna though. Like how do you even distinguish? You got blue fins, right? Yellow fins, giants, and then big eyes, right? Or is there any more? Uh, we got long fin here. Um, and then skipjack too. Skipjacks. Those are almost like, almost like Albies, aren't they? Skipjacks. Yeah, similar to them. Uh, I think they taste a little better, though, from what I heard. 
Well, yeah, well, nothing's going to taste worse than an Albi, so. No, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, those are, I mean, those are just the tuna we kind of have here and in the canyons and stuff. I mean, they got dog tooth down there in, like, Indonesia and stuff. Definitely, definitely good list. Definitely different list than a lot of people would say. But, you know, I mean, I mean, we're we're, me and Bobby definitely going to wish you the best of luck, you know, getting that abroad. You know, we'd like to see, we're, we're going to hopefully log on to Jersey Donut, right? And then we're going to be able to see all those uh, insane Australian fish photos. Yeah, uh, hopefully. I'm, that's the hope. I'm, you know, my parents probably aren't going to be too happy with how much I'm going to be fishing over there. But <laughs> you're getting the education. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, Duncan, my advice is to do it while you can. Yeah, that's that's what I figured. I'm like, you know what? I'm never going to get an opportunity to do it again, so I may as well take advantage of it. And definitely with the uh, the head that's on your shoulder, your soul, when you get into something, you go in deep. And, dude, you're going to not you're gonna knock that freaking fishery out. Yeah, that's a hope. Sydney Harbor better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Man, me and Bobby's just going to have a, hey, Bob, you want to go visit Duncan in Australia? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go get them. Let's get a bear Monday on the fly. That'd be so sick. Yeah, dude. They had that. They had, they had those ponds in Florida where you can just fish for the day. Bear Monday. They stock them. Really? Yeah. And Florida has it in Ocala. They, I think it's called something outback. They, they, they're the only place in the United States. You could catch bear Monday. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's like 400 bucks for the day or so half day or something like that. And they have multiple ponds stuffed with bear Monday and you just go out there and just, Catch Bear Monday. Oh, that's so sick. I feel like that's cheating. Uh, little that's bit. Bear Monday, unless you want to fly. I understand. <laughs> but I could also go to the fish store and buy a peacock bass. You could. Or I could fly to Bolivia and catch my own. Yeah. I'll meet you at the Amazon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't even know if Bolivia was the right place. Colombia. Colombia. That's where I was going. He's like Bolivia. I'm like, what? Yeah. It's, a, it's been a long day for Bob. It, it's late. It should be more of a long day for me and Duncan than you, Bob. You were at work all day. Yeah. I My day was definitely more mentally draining than yours. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I feel like, dude, the balancing act in the bow of a boat when the thing's rocking back and forth trying to look for my, it's, I, I'm surprised I haven't, I haven't fell in because Bobby knows how, uh, <laughs> Bobby knows me. Like, I'm very, intricate when i get into anything that's uneven i tend to fall in i was waiting i saw anything uneven that was quaz quote right there (laughs) i saw a few like two steps there i got a little nervous a few times but you did it oh yeah yeah i did do a couple two steps reaching for i turn around i reach for the freaking cabin i was like where is it i'm gonna fall in (laughs) yeah it takes some getting used to it's all finesse man it's all finesse you gotta do it finesse oh yeah all right. Well, I mean, it was a pleasure having you on. Let's load up your. This is where we start wrapping up. Give us your social media now. Give us all the all the guys' social media. The girls, you could lead them to your other social media. Let's we're yeah. talking about the fishing guys. Let's see that. Let's oh, see yeah. that social media. So all my big fishing guys, you can find me at uh, Jersey Donut, Jersey underscore Donut on Instagram. Um, pretty much put all my fishing stuff there. Any cool shots from the Jersey Shore? Um, and you know, I got my personal in there too um but feel free to reach out if you've got any questions or anything like that um anything mahi related or just jersey related yeah and if you're a 21 year old girl that enjoys fish picks then you can reach both reach out to both his ig both accounts yeah there you go yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, cool. Uh, once again, thank you, Duncan. Uh, first, for inviting me on your boat today. We had a fantastic time. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to do it a lot more whenever you're around, you know what I mean? So definitely we'll get we'll get a bass run in here with both you guys on there this year oh yeah sounds good and i get to move my boat up to bobby's house pretty soon again for the season so we'll have an extra boat up there for the back when we need it there we go all right well once again thank you ducky for jumping on hopping with us talking about pot hopping for mahi uh besides that man have a great night got you need a few hours of sleep because you got to wake up and make some bait and you're running back yep. out to the running out for the grounds again one more time Trust me, exactly. I, I kind of had the day off and I was thinking about like doing it again, but I was like, I'll, I'll be whooped. And by the time I get home, I got to go work tomorrow evening. So I can't add it. I gotcha. But uh, yeah, no, thank you guys for having me. And uh, just awesome job today getting that first Mahi on the boat. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Once again, thank you, man. Have a great night. Me and Bobby's yep, going to stay too. on a couple extra minutes and uh, we're going to close up. Thanks, Doug. Sounds good. Appreciate thank it. you. All right, there we have it. How do you feel like that, Bobby? What, what were we doing at 21 years old? Were we fishing like this? Were this kind of knowledge? 21, I was at Penn State crushing brown trout. Oh, yeah, well, you, you were doing with, that. With, with that knowledge. <laughs> but um, not, I still don't have that knowledge for the offshore game, but he does it right. I told you, he's out there every day. He rises and grinds, rises and grinds. Something I could never do because I like to sleep too much. Yeah. Um, but he does it right. Home but he also but he also associates himself with guys like Christian, yeah, like right. all those boys that are like, you know, it's it, great network, great bunch of guys. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 weird because like like you, Christian, like all those guys that in that little circle of friends you guys have, right? All super great fishermen. And you guys are always willing to help each other. I mean, like fishing community, it's usually about helping each other. If you guys if you can't help each other, then what's the point of doing it all? You know what I mean? They, they got, you got guys harassing, attacking this guy because he gives out information, like all this other stuff. It's just like, you know, like, why not? Why can't everyone be as great people as guys like Duncan and Christian? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I try to associate with those kinds of people because they'll scratch my back. I'll scratch theirs. And that's how the fishing community should be. It should be give and take relationships. And I don't really know what's going on out there lately, but yeah. Uh, seriously I, I don't know what's going on out there lately but we need to surround ourselves with more guys like christian and duncan yourself you know our buddy lee you know just really solid dude that in the end all we want to do is just catch fish with our friends and just be happy about it have a good time that's right Yep, that's pretty much it all right once again ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining us on another episode of tight chase podcast podcast it was definitely a good one uh duncan gave you kind of like the 411 quick breakdown i had a Hot hop for Mahis. Uh, so get the opportunity. Find a friend with a boat. <laughs> if you can't afford one, jump on, pitch in gas, go out there, slay some Mahi, come home, fish tacos. Uh, and that's it. Besides that, once again, make sure to check out our social media, follow us on podcast, leave us a like, a review. It all helps us in the end. Um, besides that, have a great night, Bobby. Tight lines, everyone. All right, tight lines, guys. <laughs>